Welcome back to People of Product. My name is George Brooks. And on today's episode, I had the pleasure to talk with Marcus Sheridan. Now, Marcus is an international keynote speaker, consultant, advisor to organizations and leaders around the world around sales and marketing and, and really positioning yourself and your, your product, your services. And most of that is stemmed from his book, They Ask You Answer, which is an incredible read. If you haven't yet picked it up, you should check it out. But I wanted to take the conversation in a slightly different direction. When you get to hear Marcus's story, he talks about the fact that he started first as a pool guy selling pools, turned that into a franchise manufacturing pools, that then he took the principles for how he got clients, applied that to a book, which got him speaking gigs, which turned him into an influencer, which turned him into having an agency that has a massive reach around the world. I wanted to know how he did it. I wanted to know the story around how he rallied people together to do the best work of their lives. I wanted to know if some of the principles in his book were not only true for marketing organizations, but maybe for how we communicate to each other and what he shared was gold. I think you're going to love this conversation as we start to explore the basic human principles of how we communicate with each other and how we trust each other. Let's jump right in. Marcus, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'd love to throw it to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and and um, maybe uh, obviously you have the book, but tell us yeah. a little bit about what you're thinking about these days. Yeah, here's the quick one-on-one. So I started a swimming pool company out of essentially out of college in 2001. Almost lost the business in 2008, uh, and that's when I started really learning about the internet. And as I learned more and more about things like inbound marketing and content marketing and social media and all that stuff, you know, the buzzwords of today, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what I heard in my simple pool guy mind was, you know, Marcus, just obsess over your customers' questions and the worries and fears and be willing to address those on your website, in this case, through text and video. So I said, well, that's one thing I can certainly do. And so I sat down and I brainstormed all the questions I had received over the years because I was the guy that was selling the pools in the homes. I had many, and then over the next couple of years, I, one by one, night by night, I addressed those questions through an article, through a video on our website, and uh, we became essentially what is like the Wikipedia of fiberglass swimming pools, and it would go on to save the business, but it would also um, lead to us becoming uh, the fastest growing uh, pool uh, builder in the U.S., then we became a manufacturer, and then we became the first franchise of fiberglass pools uh, in the US. And so we have franchisees all over the country. And as I was doing this whole thing, um, I started writing about it on a personal blog. And that led to companies saying, hey, Marcus, can you show me how to do that? Or can you share that story on our stage? Which led to uh, what is a full-time speaking career, except during pandemics, you don't speak as much in person, but you certainly do a lot of virtuals. And it led to starting an agency. And that agency today is um, 60 some people and uh, we help companies implement this whole framework and philosophy that I started with my pool company. It's called They Ask You Answer. It's become um, a very popular book in the business world. Um, translated now in quite a few languages. It's been an amazing ride and it all started as a pool guy. So it's, it's been a good one, George. I love pool guy to international influencer. Um, the it's funny how many people have recommended your book to Crema in general, 
partly because I think we were accidentally doing some of the things you were suggesting. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing the same writing on the wall, um, although our our product or our service is a little bit different because we're selling, I mean, when we get down to it, you're selling people's time because we are a service provider of design and development. But one of the big things was, man, I am tired of having to explain what it is we do, right? Or just give you the basic vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um, and oh, by the way, I'm going to go you know, put a contract in front of you, just like a, a custom pool might be. It's going to be expensive. Yeah. So how do I justify that cost when you don't even, all you really want is an app yeah. and there, you could go buy one. You could go, uh, we say you could go rent one, buy, you know, subscription service or a licensed product, but you say you want to build one. Well, that's, that's a little more complicated than, than you might think. And how can we explain to you how that complexity lives out? Mm -hmm. And I've heard you, I've heard you talking as you talk through your book, you talk a lot about that being a, an easy way to source What's the thing that we need to be thinking about is, you know, how can I reduce that time to that cell? Maybe you can talk a little bit about how that works. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's some, they ask you answer was written really in two main parts. There's a, there's a marketing side and there's a sales side. And it's much we know, we know our buyers, our customers, yours, mine, anybody's listening to this. We are more informed than we've ever been. And uh, good grief, we love to vet, we love to research, and it's because we don't like to make mistakes. Yeah. And we wanna feel like we're getting a good value, and we wanna feel like we've chosen the right thing, whatever that thing is, product, service, B2B, B2C, it doesn't matter, it's all fundamentally the same thing. And so yep. along those lines, okay, so if we're all just like voracious you know, infovores, right, at this point as, as consumers and buyers, mm -hmm. what do we as businesses need to do? We better freaking talk about it. Mm -hmm. We're not going to win on the front end of that sales experience, that 80% that's happening before they even engage your company, that mega research period of time. And then after that, can we still leverage that information so as to allow ourselves to have dramatically better sales conversations? Because here's the thing, <clears throat> if anybody's in sales, if they keep hearing the same question over and over again, you should say to yourself, I am doing something wrong. Right. Right. Because that is a signal mm -hmm. that we have allowed the marketplace to live in a state of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Ignorance in the marketplace leads to inertia. Inertia means they say it's not the right time or it's not the right fit or it's not the right company or it's not for me. So we're doing everything we can to eliminate inertia, but that starts on the front end by becoming that trusted voice and just making sure that we check every single box, every single question, every single fear, every single worry, every single concern, and we can do that. Now, this sounds um, simple, and it is conceptually very simple, George, but the reality is most companies are the opposite. They do not talk about the things their buyers, their customers want to know during that vetting process. They hedge and they say, well, if they ask when we're in a sales meeting or conversation, then that's fine. But otherwise, let's not address it. And I'm here to tell you that don't work. Ignorance not today. is bliss, right? Ignorance is bliss, but not so much. Not so much. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It, it, we... I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. We found the same thing in that 
what so much of what we were trying to explain was, hey, you know what, you're, you're asking the same questions that everyone else is asking. And obviously these other service providers are trying to hide something as if there's some like IP or intellectual property or secret sauce mm. that, um, that you know, someone else isn't doing. I mean, I got to say something about that. Yeah. Secret sauce. You know, I get fired up on that subject. Right. Yeah. So when I was just a pool guy, we were carrying another, we were an installer of a manufacturer's pools, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of like we were a Chevrolet dealer, right? Yep. So we were getting shells from this manufacturer and they would have dealer events. And so one time I went to a dealer event and this was in San Antonio, Texas, where the, the pools were uh, built, New Braunfels actually. Mm-hmm. And um, we're in this plant or they're manufacturing these pools. And I'm like, I'm so tired of trying to explain to people why these pools are better. So I went out my video camera and I started to record and make a video right there on the spot. Just like, you know, I would want to see if I was a buyer. And so I started to show it and explain it. And one of the owners of this manufacturing company just comes runs up, comes running up to me, freaking out. Oh, He's like, Marcus, Marcus, what are you doing? What are you doing? We have, and I'll never forget. He said, we have very proprietary information and equipment here and processes here that we're doing. Yeah. You can't show this. And I started to laugh at him because by this point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. done with yeah. living in this, this land of stupidity and ignorance, right? So I said, let me tell you what. You're like the third manufacturer uh, I've been to in the last year. And all y'all do it the same dang way. <laughs> let me tell you, your secret sauce ain't no secret. It's, it's Thousand secret. Island dressing. Yeah. And... I went ahead and I made that video and it became for them a catalyst to mm-hmm. becoming at the time, because we weren't manufacturing yet. We were, this was quite a few years before that. Yeah. At the time they exploded because they were the first manufacturer to show how the sauce behind the made. curtain, behind the yeah. curtain. Crazy. Yeah, man. And, and it's funny because, well, and, and even the work that we do, uh, because we're working with people's ideas, it's so funny how many people come up to us and they say, Hey, okay, we need NDA signed. We need, you know, these things signed and and it's fine. I don't mind doing it. You know, it's part of business, but what I'm always quick to say is here's the deal. I have too many ideas of my own that I want to build that I don't have enough time to do. I'm not going to, I don't have time to go steal yours. And two, your idea is not unique. (laughs) It's, Especially in so technology, right. it's almost completely impossible to patent so many of the things that people think that they can, they want to wrap IP around. Um, and so I, I, I'm very quick to say, I get it, fine, we'll sign the thing as long as the terms are really short. But the reality is, is it doesn't matter unless you can execute. That's right. So let's get over it and move on, right? Um, yeah, so I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Okay, so you've built multiple organizations then, because before we got on, you got a chance to kind of, you have your, the pool guy story, because you grew that pool organization. You have the franchise piece of that, which in its own right is its own type of business. Very different business. Yeah, it's really unique. And now the agency um, and and the consulting that you do. I'm curious, I want to shift the conversation a little bit, because I know we can nerd out on, you know, your, your ethos around how you think about the they, they ask, you know, we, we provide the solution. We're going to bring in the clients. We kind of close the sales, but I want to talk to you a little bit about teams. 
Yeah. You've got a 60 plus person organization. That's about the same size as we are. We're 55 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it look like for you as you're trying to bring people together to, to get this work done? And then not only to get it done, but also to share this work with the rest of the world. How do you get people aligned? How do you get people to I mean, now you're a pretty charismatic guy. You're a public speaker. You have that ability to kind of win others over to an idea. But what what is it that you have found has been a kind of a power uh, power play, if you will, for bringing teams together to to grow these successful businesses you've had? You know, I really appreciate this question because nobody ever asked me this question, mm. right? And it's you know, it's one that obviously I'm you know pretty passionate about. I think a lot about. Um. I tell you how you don't build a team. You right. don't take them to an escape room and think that you've accomplished anything. Oh, preach. Yeah. That's, that's not it. That's not it. Much of what we do that make us feel good is lipstick on a pig mm. when it comes to team and team culture. Mm-hmm. So how do you create real change? Well, I'll tell you what I firmly, firmly believe. I spend 90% of my time with my agency Mm -hmm. and 90% of my time with my swimming pool company working on one skill with the team. And that simply is the art of effective communication. It's all we do. It's all I do is somebody comes to me and says, Marcus, I'm getting ready to have a difficult conversation. Can we practice? Can we talk mm, about it? it? Can we see yeah. what that looks like? Yeah. And then we and then we we go over it. But they're coming to me with a set of principles that they've learned. Learned that I'm very passionate about. My next book, my next big book. I might write little bridge books here and there, you know. Yeah. But my next major work is uh, really based on the philosophy that I teach. It's not anything new. Nothing I teach is new. Nothing I teach is new, by the way. Right? No, there's nothing new um, under the sun. And we've all been no, no, they ask years. you answer. There's nothing new there. Um, but the philosophy, the core philosophy that I try to teach, especially you start with leaders and, and then you can start to bridge it from a professional to a personal level is what I call question first. Mm-hmm. Question first is when you approach everything in the form of a question. And so let me just, let me, let me break it down to you and just how, how this manifests in two simple ways that anybody can under, like say, oh yeah, I see that. Most leaders, when say a manager or leader, anybody, when an employee, a team member comes to them and says, I have a problem. Well, because they're a leader, because they want to feel uh, without them even oftentimes realizing it validated. Mm-hmm. They want to feel smart. They want to feel like the savior, the hero. They answer the question. That's mm-hmm. what they do. And they also think, I don't have time to work through this. It's efficient. They give the answer. And of course, what does that do? It teaches the team member to come to you like the dog and its saliva again and again and again. Dependence, dependence, dependence. That's right. Yep. That's right. Whereas the great leader 
person comes in and says, I have this problem. The great leader already knows they got the answer. Mm -hmm. My only job here is to help them discover it for themselves and not give it to them. Because if I give it to them right now, all I'm doing is creating, perpetuating that system of dependency on me. And this mm -hmm. ain't about me. So can I make this person the hero right now? Of course, the only way you're going to do that is by asking the right questions. The only way you're going to ask the right questions, you have the right mindset, you let go of outcomes. And also, you accept that you don't necessarily have the answer. That's yeah. very hard for a lot of leaders because yeah. they say, I ask questions, but actually, they're just like manipulative, insincere. Hey, don't you think you should consider this type of leaders? That's BS. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. It's not rooted in truth and love. Mm -hmm. Now let's reverse this just really quickly. I was once on an airplane, you know, once on an airplane, I, I do like, like hundreds of flights a year. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're profession, profession. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Um, full-time traveler. And um, so one time on an airplane, I had a mother and her daughter behind me. The daughter's probably like, no, well, two years old. And first, let me just say this. I could tell this mother was just the greatest mom, like just love overwhelming. And her daughter just seemed really smart, mm. really smart. Now, the course of was, I think, a 45 minute flight. The daughter must have asked the mom. A hundred questions. Yeah, that's right. I'm telling you a hundred questions. This was the most inquisitive two year old I had ever heard in my life. Now, here's what's interesting. Over the course of that 45 minutes, how many questions did the mother ask the daughter? Hmm. And the answer was, of course, none. Mm -hmm. So for 45 minutes, I listened to a child, probably a genius, potentially, ask a question that I'm sure she inherently knew or could yeah. have figured out with a little bit of guidance. And the mother just gave the answer. Now, why do we do that as parents? We do the same reason why we do as leaders. It's because we want to be seen. We might, and again, we, we might, I might say that and somebody's like, I don't want to be seen as the hero. No. Yeah. We do it's it because the best of intent. To be it's the seen. best of it intent. Is the be yeah. It is pure. We're not questioning. It's righteous. Intent. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, ultimately, mm -hmm. it's not for the greater gain yeah. of the child. It's interesting. It, all off of that. So my girls are tweens now, going to be teenagers soon. Mm -hmm. And early on, a couple of things that I, I had learned, it's similar to this vein, was there was an exercise that a friend of ours had shared, which said, try to go 24 hours with only asking your kids questions. Mm -hmm. So when, to that point, when they ask you a question, ask them, well, what do you think? Or when they, and, well, what do you think you should do? What would be the right thing to do? What would be the kind yeah. thing to do? And you're teaching them these principles to say, how can you be curious about yep. using your imagination, God forbid, to, to solve some problems in the world? And then so on this, top of that, actually equipping them to say, now I'm, I'm even going to step away. So the, the perfect example of this is the kids were really young and my wife is a nurse. So she would leave early in the morning. So I, I was usually getting the kids going in the morning and you know, when mom was around, she had no problem making breakfast for everybody, getting it all going because she liked feeling needed as the mom that can get, you know, that isn't the kids depend on her. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. I, on the other hand, maybe because I'm lazy, I don't know. 
I found this, this amazing thing where the kids are like, can I have this for breakfast? And I would immediately go, cool. If you can fix it for yourself, yeah, of course you can. And it, it put the position back on them to make a decision of, well, if I'm willing to do that hard work, that hard thing to make that a reality, then yeah, that can be true. And so they learn to cook their own eggs, make their own toast, make pancakes and waffles, and of course, cereal and all the other things that kids eat in the morning. But I would sit there and make sure they didn't burn down the house. Don't get me wrong. I was nearby. But to this day, now they are the most self-sufficient. Yes, very empowering morning kids. And I'm not saying I'm a great parent. I, I'm, that probably was motivated by a lazy dad. Don't get me wrong. But I think it goes to that point of we, we want people to, to be dependent on us. And I think you're absolutely right. Leaders and even peers. So we work a lot in cross-functional teams. So where we actually are empowering the conf or the, the decision-making down to the teams, but then they start doing the exact same thing to each other rather than empowering each that's, other. And that's a glorious thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a glorious, glorious place. I, let me let me say this one thing, just for those persons that are listening to this. That you want to teach this to your team. I mean, there's so much more involved. Obviously, I mean, yeah, I spent hundreds of hours on this subject. But when you have a question first mindset, you can't always just start to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you're going to need to set the parameters of the conversation so as to ensure that what you get as an outcome of those questions is the right thing. So in other words, let's say, let's say my wife comes to me and mm -hmm. she has a problem. Mm -hmm. I will sometimes literally say to the effect of, so do you want to work through it together yeah. or do you just want yeah. me to listen right now? Is this just a listening conversation yes. or is this a problem solving conversation? Yes. Yeah. It's good. Now, whatever she says next, that's, I'm going to follow those rules. Yep. Very it's adamantly. It's contact. I can't, if she says, I just want you to listen. And then I say, I'm going to listen. And then after listening, I say, now here's one thing you might want to consider. It's like, oh, I totally screwed up the whole thing. It's the same thing with an employee. Let's yeah. say an employee comes to you with something um, that's very troubling or difficult or, or whatever it might be. In that moment, with high caring, mm -hmm. of course, and sincerity, you're going to have to say, I want to help you right now. But in order to help you, we are going to have to figure this out together. Mm -hmm. Do you give me permission? Permission, such to a powerful ask you word. Ask questions. Such a powerful word. Yeah. So that we can figure this out together. Yeah. And now they have said, yes, take me where this needs to go. If they're not in the right mindset, and if you haven't gotten in front of this as an issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise they might say, well, it felt like an interrogation. Mm. And if it feels like an interrogation, you failed to set up the parameters properly. What are the rules of the game here? Yeah. yeah. Very, very important to any type of, of communication or transformative communication experience. So yeah, this is something I'm very, very passionate about. And so if you wanna change culture, you start with pillars that dictate cultures since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And the way we engage with each other as humans, 
that is an absolute pillar of culture, always will be. And so it's going to be more effective than a thousand outings, you know, to your, with your, with your, with your company and, you know, kegs in the stinking uh, offices and anything that you can think of that is surface level and superficial, that might be nice. And it might sound like a perk, but yeah. let me tell you what is a real life-changing perk. When somebody says, it's the greatest manager I've ever had. Mm-hmm. He or she completely changed my life. And I feel like everything I've experienced professionally is because of that person. Now, that is how you build culture. That's what we're after. Not after a lot of this fluffy stuff that we think they're going for when ultimately every human wants to feel understood and valued. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. This is how we can offer that. Mm-hmm. That's good. It, it's, we refer to this as humble confidence. So when I, when I say humble confidence, I had a mentor years ago that would say, we were talking actually about faith, I'll be honest. And, and this idea that if we're really honest with ourselves, if you believe anything, you have to be humbly confident about it. You have to be confident because you, you're, it's, it's hope, it's faith. It's by sure. definition, yes. a, a challenge to go for it. But you have to be humble enough to say, man, I don't know. I don't got it all figured out. Yeah. And I think that that ability to stand next to somebody, whether you're a leader, a manager, or a peer, or a client, or a, you know, a vendor, or however you want to position that, whatever that human relationship, with humility to say, I'm here to help solve the problem. I'm curious to kind of understand the context. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, this willingness to take up what we could refer to as posture. I've kind of stopped using the word mindset. Not that there's anything wrong with mindset, but I love the idea of a posture because mm. a posture is both about your mind and your body and maybe mm. even your soul. This idea of how am I entering the space yeah. in the space of this conversation, the space of a challenge, the space of, you know, whatever, the big goal that your company is going towards. But the, the, the risk there is if you're too humble if you're like you said, it's it can either be interrogative depending on a person's personality, or it can be just like passive. So right, timid. As Kim Scott would say, ruinously empathetic. Yes, exactly. And then, but but if you balance that with confidence, confidence says, I'm willing to take on this challenge with you. That's right. Right. Um, I'm willing for this to go through this hard thing. And what I have found, and we all will admit to it, hindsight, but we all as Western thinkers are always trying to make ourselves lives more comfortable. But in reality, we grow when we go through something hard, right? hundred percent. You know, there's a litmus test to this that I like to use on a personal level Mm. uh, when I meet with people. I actually look for it. And that is this, and everybody's listening, I want you to really think about this. It's a good gauge for yourself, Um, whether it's on a personal level with family, friends, or work level with, with peers, team members, and that is this. When you're talking to someone, how often do you have conversations where because of a prompt, a question that you asked, the person says, well, now that you mention it, or they say, you know, on second thought, mm-hmm. Any statement like that, that starts with that prefix, that essentially is what we refer to as a light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. It means they're making a discovery 
of something that was within them that was dark. The light came on and now they see it, but it was within them. And so that's the magic. Mm -hmm. That's when they leave with a bounce in their step because they feel like they just discovered something. It wasn't forced on them. They own it for themselves. That's magical. But that's your litmus test. When was the last time as a leader you had a clear light bulb moment with a team member? Now, if you start to look for that as a leader, you might find, my goodness, we're not having those nearly as much mm -hmm. as we should. You want to create a loyal team? Team that will jump in front of you know, bullets for you? Like, And I, I say that because I've got people on my team that I would jump for them yeah. and they would jump for me. Yeah. People, and it all came from me teaching them this transformative leadership communication. Because once you start to teach somebody that, you start to get to this level where at any point you feel like you can be candid with them. Mm -hmm. They can be candid with you. Now you're always doing it with high caring, high love, mm -hmm. but you're saying things to them that they didn't get from that parent or they didn't get from that teacher they didn't get from that coworker, but they've needed to hear for years and they hear it and it hits them like a ton of bricks because a they care about you at the same time it hurts a little bit or it lifts but either way it builds mm -hmm. it builds if it's right. done in the right context it builds you you can't change unless you go through something like that. The biggest, th the biggest thing that I see happen, especially, I mean, you're in a consulting role. So when you're going to work with your clients, right? Or you were going to work with a potential new audience. Yeah. One of the challenges is they may be bought in at that moment, but what they've done is they've actually trained their team for such a long time to think and act a different way, to be that dependent, to really actually treat them as a bottleneck whether they hate the bottleneck or not, everyone's perpetuated a, a system that is based off of two things that we talk about destroying all the time. One is bottlenecks and two is silos. If you have bottlenecks and silos, nothing will move forward. No growth will happen. No change, meaningful change will ever take place. Um, and leaders are the worst at this, right? Because they want oh, yeah. to feel valued. And so when you, when you have someone that buys into that, I'm curious I think, I think the follow-up that I, it comes to mind, and I'm curious how, you, how you've been able to kind of walk alongside folks as they're making this change, but what does, it, what does it take? I guess maybe even how long does it take before people believe it? And, and here's the reason I ask. We're, we're growing right now. We, yeah. We've just gone from 40 to almost 60 people in the last year. And what we found is that there's this, there's a bunch of new new crema people, right? And the people that have been here for a long time are going, why don't they get it yet? What's mm. what's happening? And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, they're not they're not challenging. They're not um, they're not giving feedback. They're yeah. not they're not they're not actually even sharing their perspective. And I'm like, well, do they even know that they have permission to do that? You said permission earlier, and I love that language. Yeah. Do they know they have permission to do so? I don't know, I guess we haven't talked about it. Well, okay, and probably in their previous job, did they ever have right. permission? Probably wasn't rewarded. Yeah. So the one, it's going to take them some time to reprogram. 
we literally are re rerouting their brains right now. That's right. But once it clicks in and there's, it's about a three month window is what we find is once they click in all of a sudden, it's like, I'm never leaving this place. This is how the best work of my life will ever get done. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm on your train. This is good, but I'm, I'm quick. I'm curious when you're working with clients, there is a, there's a transitional period that, that, that it takes to actually make that change stick to be real, to, to be effective. Oh, yeah. And the sad reality is whenever you teach anything like this, that is, this is like, like, like these things. And again, we don't have the ability to go into the detail. Yeah. But these are principles of truth. It means they have no beginning. They have no end. They just right. are. First principle right? ideas. Yeah. They, they just are. <sighs> Some people won't do the work to ascertain the skill, mm-hmm. no matter how true it might be. Yeah. And that's, that's like, that's the great divide more than anything else. It's because, you know, you teach the principle to the team. Now, some of them are going to go out and they're going to apply it immediately. Many of them are going to say that was pretty cool. A few of them are probably going to say, ah, I didn't really need that. Yeah. Well, now the battle begins, right? right? Because first of all, we got to get some serious champions and the team needs to see them integrate these principles into their lives and become greater than they were before. They need to personally have a transformative experience. And then then more, because now we're starting to create a movement, more team members are going to say, you know what? I heard it. I believed it. I haven't done anything about it. Now I'm ready. Now I want to go. Now I want to run. Now I want to play. But you also have to be willing to let go of those that just aren't embracing of it. It's hard, but true. It's, it's very hard, but true. Because we, i tell you sad reality as a business owner. I used to think I could save everybody because my skill level is high. <laughs> I cannot. It's a tough day when you have to accept that. Yeah. But you cannot, I cannot, or sometimes I am not the right person. Right. Or this is not the proper time period for them. The window for mm-hmm. them isn't currently open. Yeah. And so trying to force feed truth in someone, especially mm-hmm. an employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not, not a good thing. Not a good thing. Such, so much here that we could go into on this, but these are just things that I have learned uh, over the years. I can tell you this, though. I rush into difficult conversations these days. Mm-hmm. I embrace them. I see everything as an opportunity, as a moment. But I generally am very, very disconnected with outcome. And what I mean by that is I don't form my opinions as to where this is supposed to go before I get there. That's hard to do. It's hard as a leader because you want to win others over instead of- That's that's correct. Most of our outcomes are, how do I get this person to see the way that- Correct. That's it, George. That's exactly it. Whereas what I'm interested in is, how do I create a a breakthrough moment right now? Mm. Well, it means I've got a disconnect where I want this to go, Mm -hmm. where I think it should go. Mm-hmm. And I need to lean into exactly what they're saying, thinking, feeling, so as to ask prompt just the right thing that leads to that particular moment. And not only that, but I need to say it or ask it 
in the most distinctive, incisive way possible, which is a whole other conversation. It's what I call straight line communication. Most employees, most leaders, if you had a line, a straight line from A to Z, mm-hmm. they literally go about it in this massive wide circle to get there. Yep. And so the time frame is so long. And how does this manifest? It's no different than if somebody asks you a question. The longer the question is, the less effective it is. And the the more their authority as the one asking it diminishes. So if I say to you, after you've made a mistake, let's say, if I say to you, well, can you, can you help me understand like what exactly was going on in that moment that like, was it like, really, what was it that made you do that? Versus if I say to you, George, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Completely different questions. By the way, I demonstrated caring in both. Yeah. But one was so watered down and so diminished that it's not going to help you give your best answer, right. your best reflection in that moment. Listen to the questions that your team asks consistently. Watch your leadership team, your management team ask questions. You will find they ask long questions. Teach your team to ask shorter questions while still demonstrating high caring. Which comes with posture. Yes. Yes. It's interesting to me that your, your work from your pool days into this ethos of answering questions, being curious, stepping into a challenging conversation, doing the 80% work, right? Is translating so quickly into your work about how you grow your teams, how you grow your people. And here's the reason, George, and I'm sure you know it. I'm going to say it anyway. It's all principles, right? So I am obsessed with communication and trust. Those two Mm. things. So as a marketing uh, expert, right, I teach people how to, companies, how to communicate in a way to the marketplace so as to win trust. I'm a sales trainer. I teach salespeople how to communicate so well as to, in this case, win trust, Mm -hmm. close deals. Mm -hmm. I teach leaders how to communicate so well that they're able to win the trust of their team. It's all the same thing. Yeah. So people come to me and say, man, you're really like eclectic. You're diverse in what you can talk about. I'm like, what you don't realize it's the same is I script, keep saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. You're right. It's all repackaged, which is, Sometimes it actually works against me because people think, I don't know if you can be that good. Like, you really can speak on that many things. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And what's even better is I don't have to know anything about the subject, but I can lead a conversation that crushes. Yeah. So you tell me what you want to have your team have a conversation about. I'll lead the conversation. And it'll be one of the most productive conversations you've ever had as an organization. As an organization. I don't actually need to know about the thing. 
Well, you're, you're getting down to, like you say, pr principles of the human condition. That's it. That's it. Which, man, we've added too much to our vocabulary. And, and sometimes we think we talked earlier about people are just information hordes, right? I mean, we just want more of it. And I think in some ways, there's something good to that and some, some, somewhere, but in some ways I think, man, it's also muddied. It's muddied the simplicity of how human beings can literally change the world with these well, simple principles. To that, one of the best things anybody ever told me, Marcus, it's dumb not to dumb it down. So I think about marketing, I think about copy, I think about messaging, I think about sales and sales messaging, leadership questions we ask. Dumb, not to dumb it down. Mm -hmm. The goal isn't to look smart. You're building that website. It's not a brag. You don't want it to look smart. Our goal is we're creating communion in the moment. That the person arriving on our website, or the prospect sitting in front of us, or the team member sitting in front of us can see themselves in the things that we're saying, yeah. can nod immediately and know I'm either in the right place or no, this isn't the right place for me, all of which is good. Those are good things. Yeah. That's really what we're talking about here. Remember, folks, it's dumb not to dumb it down. And the moment you let that go and you literally try not to impress with any of your communication, business or personal, you will be viewed as a genius by your peers. It's wild how that works. It becomes a common denominator immediately. It's so yes. good. Marcus, I want to be respectful of your time. We could nerd out on this, I feel like, for probably hours. Um, yeah, it's so fun. I, like I said, I don't ever get to talk about it, right? Because people just think I'm a straight... Sales and marketing guys, like yeah, and eh, just you know, the joys also of want to be a, a football book. coach, right? Yeah. It's like you know, I'm <laughs> going to use those same principles there, right? This is a, so. I've we've we've had the pleasure to talk with a number of different authors on the podcast, and just no friends that have written books. And um, I was talking to Aaron Dignan, who is um, wrote a Brave New Work, which is a brilliant book, by the way. But he talks about the fact that his first book was about. It was like gaming mechanics or something like that. <laughs> and he goes, oh, George, you don't know how long it took me to stop becoming the gaming mechanic guy. <laughs> he goes, I didn't even care about that book. It was more just an exercise to see, can I write a book? Now, I think you care about your, your book, but it is funny because it, it sticks with you for a long time. And I mean, I think your, your book's been out for a long time. And so obviously it's effective, but I think that your principles are true. And that's why, that's why I wanted to go there with the teams is your principles are true no matter where you're at, whether you're doing marketing or change management or um, cultural change. I mean, we talk about the fact that we think about using creativity, mm -hmm. technology, because we are building products and culture to help individuals and organizations thrive. And if both the individual and the organization can thrive together, Ooh, that's yeah, a really cool. winning. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I, I, um, you back to something you said, and then we'll wrap up, but they, you said something earlier about sometimes there's, that means that there are those that it's not the right time for them to be here. Mm -hmm. And I used to brag unrightfully. So for, <laughs> you know, 10 years into 12 years into crema and I never fired anybody. 12 years and never fired anybody. I should have fired some people. 
I should have told some people, you're going to go flourish someplace else. And that place isn't here. It's not for you. Um, and, and, and they, the people that did leave on their own fruition, or, you know, once I got learned how to hire people, they've gone on to either start their own companies mm -hmm. to work for some of the biggest companies in the world or to just flourish. And because I couldn't get out of my own way to do the hard thing to say, you know what? Appreciate it. You're not, we're not moving to where we need to be. You're, you're not stepping into the challenge. We worked through it and you know what, you're going to do something, something great someplace else. Um, that, that is something it's just, it goes back to stepping into those hard things. Stepping yes. Into and that might be the transformational moment of their lives. Yeah. You know, I had this kid working for me real quick, uh, when he was, uh, just out of college installing above ground pools back when I used to install above ground pools. This is like, yeah. uh, this is probably about 16 years ago. And, um, and I could tell he was a restless spirit. And I think mm. probably because he had been in college, he wanted to be using his degree. He was just frustrated. I didn't think he was there for the long haul. And I said to him, I said to him one day, I said, I can see this isn't right for you. And so as to save us both time, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. And he was so mad. He was so mad. Mm, sure. And um, about oh, 10 years later, he started reading my stuff somehow online. I didn't even know it. And uh, then he became a big fan. And today, he runs the entire digital marketing. He's the CMO of my swimming pool company. Today. I love it. I love it, right? Transformation. It's crazy how that works, right? Yeah. yeah so so that's, that's what's possible when we're honest with people with high caring. Marcus, you are an incredible individual. Um, thank you for not only doing the work you know, obviously you've taken the time and the effort to put the, your thoughts out into the world through your book, through your speaking, through your workshops. But also I appreciate when thought leaders are also practitioners because I've, I've unfortunately experienced some thought leaders that, uh, you know what I'm talking about, um, where, where you go, I don't know that you actually believe what you're saying. It's true. And I think you do. And I can tell you do, and it permeates through your posture, through the way that you care for your people, for your teams, for your companies, uh, for your spouse, I think. Um, so thanks. Thanks for doing that. that yeah, that's um, The world needs more people that are willing to do that work. Yeah, I appreciate that, George. Nice nice to have this conversation. Different conversation. That's good. That's healthy. This is, this is what I prefer on the podcast is taking it maybe a, a different than the pre-scripted way. So, but I do want to, I want to hand it back to you. I want to give you the last word. Where can people learn about you? What maybe what you're working on in the future, what you're working on now, um, what you've done in the past, but where everybody where should definitely follow me on LinkedIn. I'm a really yeah. dang good follow. Um, that's where I put all my best information. I agree with uh, that. Usually once a day, I'll, I'll post something on LinkedIn. So I think you'd enjoy it there. You can reach out to me directly. Uh, Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com is the easiest email to remember. Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. Check out the book they ask you answer in. Yeah, in the future, look for the book uh, question first. It's going to be special. I think it'll be the most important work of my life, certainly mm. up to that point. Mm. Um, I'm excited for it. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, 
Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhardt. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.